So I just wanted to welcome you guys to church. If you were a guest today, welcome. We are really happy that you're here. We're happy that you're all here. This is, this is church. This is, this, is, this is awesome. This is what we do. The church is not the building. It's the people. We are the church together as the people. It is where we come to be encouraged, find encouragement. So I hope if you're new, you've already met someone that's already encouraged. You said something nice today. Hopefully, maybe they told you that you look good because you do. And I just, I just, I'm going to, wow, I'm going to use this platform right here for all the dead jokes today. I'm just going to put them on this bottom platform right there. So I just, re- we're really glad that you're here. And we're going to be talking about kind of some video game theme stuff. Before we do that, I really want hearts to be open to what's going to be said today through the Bible and through God's word and, and just everything that's going to be taught today. I really want hearts to be open to it. I want you guys to be receptive. So I want to go and I want to pray real quick. Is that cool with everybody? Is that cool? Cool. Sweet. God, thank you so much for this amazing opportunity to get to come here in this place we call church, which is us, and talk about your word. Talk about who you are. God, I pray that ultimately through everything that happens today that you shine through, that your word is spoken, that it is received in good soil, and that, God, you change lives and you change hearts and you make them what they're supposed to be and you create us who we're supposed to be. And God, I pray that we're all encouraged when we leave here today and we are ready to take on our week. God, I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So, it is also Father's Day. If you are a father or a grandfather, give yourself a round of applause, please. You guys are super, super important. What fathers and dads do for, honestly, children of the world, or maybe even other people's children, because other families watch how you steward your household, too. It's really cool. The impact that you guys have on a child's life is incredible. So today's message is going to be wrapped around Father's Day a little bit. Yes, I know. I'm too young to be a father, and I'm not a father. However, I do have a cat. And I do think that fluffy children count as children. Whether they have fur, I'm kidding. She's not that hard to take care of, except when she's whining. And she just walks around the house screaming 24-7 at me for absolutely no reason. She screams. Don't know why. She just screams. Her name is actually Siren because of it. Because she's like a cop siren everywhere I go. But it's about Father's Day, and I am not a father. However, I am a son. And I actually had two dads in my life because my parents were divorced when I was three. So I had a dad and a father. Both of them were fantastic. They raised me in an amazing way. So I am a son, and that's the angle that I'm going to take today. I'm going to talk to you guys about what it's like to be a son and to have father figures in your life and parental figures in your life and what they do for you. And we all know that we're not perfect, what my fathers didn't do for me and some of the ways that it set me up for my life. So that's the angle that I'm going to take today. I'm going to talk to you guys as a son. And if you don't know me, my name is Quinn. I take care of our student ministry here. That's awesome because our young people are amazing. They do a lot of great things for us. There's some of them right there. You just like kind of clap, but you didn't really clap. So they're awesome. They're incredible. We love them. So all that being said, today I've kind of titled it Cheat Coats. It's all wrapped around this whole Extreme Night thing. It's, it's also wrapped around Father's Day, but it's called Cheat Codes, and it's video game themed. All of it, I love video games. I can play so many video games. That, that, that could be, honestly be my entire lifespan, just video games, but it's horrible for me, so I choose not to. My mom said that it rocks my brain, which it probably does, but it's okay. So it's wrapped around video games. Like this, this is an awesome Tetris board here. Has anybody ever played Tetris before? Who's played Tetris before? I have played Tetris. I first played Tetris when I was 12 years old and I got my first phone. I had to work for it. I had to mow grass for it. I had to pay for it myself. My mom made me pay for my first phone myself. All my friends had phones. I was like, Mom, I want a phone. She said, where's your money? And I was like, fine, I'll go mow grass. So I took my lawnmower and mowed my neighbor's grass for like two years to get a phone. Uh, yeah, you, all, the kids, all the kids in here were like, what? You did what for a phone? 
yeah, like, you guys now, you're like five-year-olds walking around with iPads, like, do-do-do-do. And I'm like, I had, I had this thing called a flip phone. And if it flipped, you were cool. If your phone flipped, you were cool. And my flip phone even had Tetris on it. So I was the cool, I, I bought the good one. I was the cool kid. So no, I love video, video games have evolved so much since then. And there is this thing called cheat codes in video games. I'll never forget this one. It's up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A. It's called the Kunari code. And it's, it's on a lot of Nintendo and Microsoft games. What, it, what cheat codes do, and if you don't know how video games work either, video games are like this thing that you play on a system that plugs into your TV. And it like allows you to hold a controller, and you basically get to control whatever game you're playing from things like animal games. You can be a tiger, or you can be a guy shooting tigers with an bow and arrow, or you can race. All depends on what game you have. But in a lot of older games, they had these things called cheat codes. It was where if you were struggling with a level, or you were didn't honestly just didn't want to. That was me. I just didn't want to play the game hard like it was supposed to be. I wanted to beat it instantly within a day. So you would hit the start button, and you could put in cheat codes. And cheat codes would allow you to do crazy things. Like, it would give your person superpowers. You can give yourself a giant head if you wanted to in one game. You could even, like, level up instantly. Like, you could start the game and then make yourself level 100 and just beat it instantly. Which is what I like to do because I don't like challenges when I was younger. I didn't like things that were hard. So, there's this this game that I played called Mortal Kombat. The whole game is based around fighting people. And they're the last person that you're supposed to fight. The game is supposed to be really hard. It's supposed to take you several tries to beat this dude at the end of the game. I didn't, I didn't like that news too much. So I found cheat codes, and I punched him once, and he, it was over. It was great. Best thing of my life. Didn't have to work for it at all. But, so in these video games, the moral of this point is, is that there are these things called cheat codes, where if you're struggling, you can look it up. It's even this website called GameFAQs. It's a fun website. I'm giving you guys are like so much video game information, but it has it has a it has a purpose. There's this thing called GameFacts.com where you can go to and you can look up cheat codes. It has a, it's a whole website of nothing but cheat codes, facts about games, walkthroughs, even things that tell you exactly where special things are in levels, so you don't have to work for it yourself. You can find it just by using cheat codes. And the idea of this is, and this is what we're teaching your kids at Extreme Nights too. So this this is like a little you're going to get a little tidbit of what they're going to learn. I think the Bible. It's a book of cheat codes. And I think our life, per se, in a weird way, is like the video game that we're in or we're playing. We're here. We have to do it. We're working it out. We're doing our best. And sometimes we have these levels. We're stuck in seasons of our life, and there's different levels and different things. There's bosses, little bosses, things that we have to take down, walls that we have to get past, obstacles that we have to overcome. And sometimes we think it's so confusing and we can't do it. There's no way that we can get around this. And I think, I really, really believe that the Bible is like the cheat codes for your life. See, in a video game, cheat codes are something that is thought of when the game is made. It's something that people are already thinking. That they, some of them already exist before the game is even made. It's pretty cool. kind of sounds like God's Word. God's Word was there at the beginning. It was with God. Or was God. It's part of God. It kind of, when He created you and knitted you together in your mom's womb, the codes already existed. He never planned for you to do this life alone, which is why he also gave you the Holy Spirit to live inside of you to have a personal life coach every single day of your life. So it's really cool to think that when you start to struggle and when things go wrong, you can just turn to the Bible and use it as like a cheat code guide for your life. Figure out how to get over top of obstacles and figure out how to get around things and 
just a fun fact of how I got around that in my life. Obviously, I told you my parents were divorced when I was young. So at about 12 years old, 12 to 13 years old, my mom walks in my room and says, Quinn, we're going to move to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina in a week. You have one week to decide whether you want to come with me and your stepdad or if you want to stay here with your dad and your terminally ill stepmom. I didn't know if my stepmom was going to like live from day to day. So I had to like make a choice of I either leave two brothers here or let two brothers go there. And I had to make this choice, and I was really confused. I was like, what do I do? This is a hard choice. Why are 12-year-olds have to make the decision? I don't know what to do. Mm. And I started to freak out a little bit as a kid. But I was a new Christian, and I was new to the whole Christian thing at that point. Because my, my parents that I lived with weren't Christians. I was the only one in my family. So it was kind of new to me. I was learning it by myself. And it, it seemed like a really complex, confusing situation. And then I realized, it's not confusing. It's just hard. And... I ultimately moved here because I, I didn't use my own understanding. I leaned on God's understanding. I went to the Bible. And I went to him and I prayed to him and I asked him, what do I do? You know better than I do. What do I do? Where do I go? And ultimately, I ended up moving here. It was the amazingly right choice. Came to this church. My life was changed. And I've grown so much since then. So much has changed in my life simply because of that one decision. So I also think that sometimes we think life is complex, like really complicated. And it, I think it is really hard. I think it is really, really hard. And I think a lot of really hard decisions come to us in our life. However, I don't think life is as complicated as I think we make it out to be sometimes. Because the situation may be complicated, but the solution is always God's word. Therefore, the answer to your complex problem is God's word. It's, it's always going to be the thing. It's always going to be there. It's never going to fail you. God's never going to fail you. Christ is never going to fail you. So his word is always going to be there. But this is usually always, always your solution is his word. My mom even used to say, Quinn, you know, the, this parenting thing didn't come with an instruction manual, Quinn. But, well, did it, though, called the Bible? Because I, I feel like I kind of maybe, maybe, maybe it did. It's called the Bible. There's so many great parenting advice in the Bible. It's crazy. The Bible's chock full of it. How to, how to raise your kids, what kids are to you, how to build them spiritually, where their foundations should lie. All of that can be found in there. It's really crazy when you start to understand that and start to understand the Bible as this every single day guide. I probably wouldn't like directly tell my mom, no, it did come with a manual, mom, because I get slapped, but I would deserve it. But she also used to tell me all the time, you know, we're just testing things out on you to see if it works or not. We're going to... But just kidding, I had an older brother. Everything I tested on him. She used to tell me all the time, don't worry, we're not going to get you wrong because we had your older brother to try things out on. We're going to get you right. We already know what works and what doesn't work. But it was, didn't work because I was so different from the rest of my family. I was the different one. So I was a delinquent. I was horrible when I was a kid. It was terrible. I would like hide in clothes racks in Walmart. And you're like, every kid does that. Yeah, but every kid didn't kick strangers in the shins when they walked by either. I did that. I was a terrible child, but I grew out of that, praise God, to a new person, to a new creation. So I really feel like the Bible is this cheat code for our life. I do. But I also feel like sometimes we have a weird relationship with it. And that's my first point of the day. I feel like we have a weird relationship with fully submitting to God's word. I feel like we have a weird relationship with really fully completely believing in it in the entirety of what it says and how it says to live our life. And what I mean by a weird relationship is this. I have a very weird relationship with working out. 
I talk about it a lot. I believe in it. I want the results of it. I just don't want to do it. And all my workout friends are like, just do it. You do it. I'm going to eat this bowl of ice cream. It's going to taste a lot better than your gym. It just does. That's kind of where I have been for the last two months, is in bowls of ice cream instead of the weight room. But it's fine. It's fine. The ice cream helps. It helps my soul. So, but if you're one of those people who go to the gym every day, awesome for you. I, I, I just can't figure out how to, like, get myself to want to inflict that much bodily pain on myself for my appearance yet. But I'll get there. I promise. It's a good thing. We should take care of our bodies. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm getting there. So I, have a, I just have a weird relationship with it. I just do. I also, it reminds me of this other story. I don't know, if, you, if you're a fan of tightrope walking at all, there's a story of a guy named Charles Blondin. Charles Blondin was an, he's really old. He's by far dead now. Um, he was back in the 1800s. And he was either smart enough or dumb enough to tie a tightrope wire across Niagara Falls and tightrope himself across Niagara Falls. I get sketched out just walking on the edge of the stage. I don't want to walk across Niagara Falls on a rope this big. No, no thank you. But he did it. He did it not only once, but he did it backwards, he did it blindfolded, he did it on a bike. This dude kept going. He's like, well, I'm, I'm still alive. Let's see, how, let's see how much longer I can stay alive. That's what, that's, I don't know. He's probably blonde, too. Not important, but that's what I feel. So, he, um, it was crazy. And the, the, there was one part where he'd say, when, when he came across the tie rope wire, when he got to the other side with it, with it, thousands of people of the crowd was gathered. The crowd went so crazy shouting his name, believing in him, that they even trumped the roar of the falls itself. That's crazy. To be cheering, to have so many people cheering for you so loud that, that you can drown out the noise, no pun intended, of Niagara Falls. That is insane. And then he has the audacity to ask this question. Who believes I can do it with a human in my wheelbarrow? Crowd goes crazy. Well, we believe in you. We believe in you, Charles Bond. We want the results of your tightrope walking. Great, cool. Somebody get in the wheelbarrow. Mm. Actually, look at the time. I got a gym to hit. Um, then you just were like, no, no, okay. They have what I call a weird relationship with tightrope walking. They believed in it. They wanted the results of it. They just didn't want to. They didn't want to do it. They just. They weren't about it. They didn't feel it. So. That's kind of how I feel like the Bible can be to us sometimes too. I feel like in the same exact way, we believe in following the Bible. We want the results of the change that comes with believing in Jesus, fully submitting to it. We just don't want to do it. I've been there. How did that happen to me? Where like you have, you have something and God's like, I need you to let this go. The word of that is called baseball for me. Love baseball. Played it for 14 years. It was my love. It was my life. I didn't want to go away from it. I thought I was going to play baseball professionally. And then God's like, well, if you're going to fully submit to my word, I need you to trust me completely. I need you to let your old self die. That's what your baptism was. It was you symbolizing that. And I need you to come back to life as a new creation the way that I created you. The, you're the true you. I need you to let go of baseball. I need you to walk away from that. And I'm like, well, I believe in it. I believe in you. I believe in being a new person. I want the results of being who you say I want to be and believe in the Bible. I just don't want to give this up, you know? I don't want to let it go. 
But when I did, it was amazing. It was simply amazing. It pushed me to my entirely new purpose. But it's just, that's just what I'm like. I'm like, I feel like sometimes we sit in church and we're like, who wants to look like Jesus? I do. Who wants to live like Jesus? Me. Who wants to be like Jesus? Oh, oh, I do. Get in the wool barrel. Uh, mm. we're, we're like, walk, we're all, we start getting all timid. Go talk to that complete stranger with the blue hair and all the weird Marilyn Manson tattoos. No, no, he's weird. I don't want to do that. Mm-mm. No, go, go. Like, I feel like we have a weird relationship with fully submitting to God's word. And this is, this is like what I'm going to be talking about is also, other quick thing. Be careful, like, God's always listening. He always listens to your heart and what you say you want. And he, he will give you what you want too. And I like, sometimes when you're in the coffee shop with your Christian friends, you're meeting up, talk about a little heart to heart, and you get all deep with them, you're like, look, I am just so over myself right now. The situation, I just need to be a new me. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to be a new me. God, you can have all of me. God, take it all. Take all of me. I'm giving everything I am to you, God. God, just take it all. And then later that afternoon, he starts to take it all. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't ask for all that now. He's like, actually, you did. Rewind to the coffee shop. <laughs> Here's where you asked for it. You want to be a whole new you. And it's like, then we're like, uh, actually, no, I want to keep this part of this part. And I want to, I want to keep that dollar. And I want, to, I, want, I want to keep this part of my hairline. Like, no, it's fine. Just, it's fine. Just let it go. God's got this. God's in control. He's got this. So, point number two. The Bible is the cheat code. It is your up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B.A. It is your ultimate cheat code to your life that can change your life forever. I really do believe that that is what the Bible is to us and what it should be. But in order for this to work, it has to be the entirety of the Bible. All of God's word and all of God, who of God is. It can't just be a small part or a small piece. It's got to be all of it. See, if I took a cheat code, that, even that exact one right there, and I took away, I don't like the way the B looks right now in my life. I don't want the B, and I don't want the, um, the, the first left. I don't want that either. And I plug that into the game. The game would literally, it usually makes a noise and then says rejected. That's kind of what can happen if you take just the pretty parts of the Bible that you like, put it in your situation in life, life will look back at you and go, <laughs> rejected, not good enough. And you're like, how? I believe in the Bible. I'm a Christian. I'm following parts of it. And it's like, well, are you following all of it, though? Not just parts of it. All of it. And we're, we're going we're to get farther than that, too, and how that actually kind of killed my life a little bit, too. So I want to read you something out of the Bible real quick, though. And this is Jesus talking. This is in the book of Matthew. It's one of the most awesome preaching sermons that has ever happened in the history of the world. And it's in Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read verses 21 through 27 out of Matthew chapter 7. I am reading the message version today. I usually read NLT, but I'm reading the message version today because it says the word stupid, and I like how it sounds. It actually calls me stupid, too. It's fantastic. I love it. I just like the way that the message version puts this like all up in people's faces, and I just, I just like the way it sounds. So we're going to read what this has to say about using the Bible and putting it where it should go. Using the Bible where it should go. And what happens when you don't. And it starts off by Jesus Jesus saying this. Knowing the correct password, knowing the correct password to get to heaven, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. 
What is required is a serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. Jesus says, I can see it now at the final judgment. Thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message, we basked the demons, our God-sponsored projects, had everyone talking about them, and do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. That's sad. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You didn't impress me one bit. You are out of here. This is Jesus. It's not me. This is Jesus saying that the entirety of what he says matters. Not just part. Simply knowing the word, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, who, praise God, won't get you anywhere with him. It's the heart. It's if you mean it. It's if you believe it. It's if it's rooted in the core of who you are. If you're really, really in and like really believe in everything that he is and everything that he says you are most importantly. If you're really living that out, being who he created you to be, that's what gets you somewhere. It says right there, it requires a serious obedience. It requires a serious following of his father's will, of God's will. That's Crazy to me. And then it says this right here. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. I love the way it says that specifically because of this right here. A lot of times we take our house. When I say house, I'm going to talk about us. I'm going to talk about our soul and our life. That's your house. Your house is you. And... We take the the parts of the Bible that we like, the little fancy encouraging verses like, for I know the plans for you, plans for good and not for blah, blah, blah. And we take that and we put it in decorations in our house. We use the Bible as fancy little improvements to decorate our already built house. And that's not how the Bible was meant to be at all. It wasn't meant to be little fancy homeowner improvements to your already built house for you just to plug in where you want and where you feel and leave the rest of it behind. Look at what it says. Look look, look what it goes on to say. These are foundational words. Words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. That's who I want to be. Right there. That house. I want that house to be me. But that house only happens when you take the entirety of God's word, use it not as a fancy decoration, but as everything that the house sits upon. All of it. The entirety of the word. Look what happens if you don't. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't apply them and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built this house on a sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. How many times I've been here, I'm saying this because this is a me too message, I've been here, where I have thought I built my house, I built my house greatly to my own, what I, my standards of it, I used the Bible, I decorated it with some really cool things that I believed in, and then something happened in my life and I crashed, I fell down, and I was like, God, where are you at? He said, I'm right where I've always been, in your heart, in your soul, in my word, where have you been? Why don't you believe in the entirety of me? You won't fall and crash down. I feel like sometimes God looks down at me and goes, you are a stupid carpenter. What what are you doing? What are you doing? I've given you this whole Bible. You complain about how hard your life is. And I've given you this whole book of cheat codes. What are you doing? I really feel like that happens to me sometimes. 
Like, I feel like sometimes he just looks at me and goes, you are the frustrating son. So, but it's okay. I'm happy with frustrating him. It's fine. Because all the frustrating ones are the ones that turn out to be amazing, in my personal opinion. So, I'm kidding. I don't want to frustrate him. I want to make him happy. So, I had two great dads, like I said before. And here's where the whole house thing really comes into play. And here's where, here's where this, here's what I'm saying loops back to Father's Day. Neither one of my dads were Christian. My biological dad, who was a very, very much a part of my life, my whole life, he didn't become a Christian until I became a Christian. It was actually me and my messages and me living out what God did in my life that actually helped him find Christ, believe it or not. Really cool idea that I got to like, help lead my dad to Christ. One of the best moments of my entire life. My stepdad, however, has always been an atheist and still is. So it's crazy to me because they're both amazing dads, though. They taught me so much. They taught me everything a dad should ever teach a son from a worldly perspective. They taught me how to fix the car, be the leader of the house, be, be a leader in general, be nice to people, respect people, work, work your tail off, don't ever expect a handout, earn everything you got, appreciate the little things, all of those things. They taught me all of these fundamental steps. They, aren't, they built me into a fantastic house. They built me into a great house. But what they didn't do was put me on a foundation. They didn't put me on the biblical foundation. They put me on a worldly foundation. So when I was a 12, 13-year-old boy who found Jesus, found the Bible, I took the Bible and I took the words and I used it as decorations, as homeowner improvements to my already built house. That's what happens when they have no foundation. If a kid or a young person, because I was there, I've, I've been, I did it, they find, if they find Jesus without it being put as their foundation first, they will simply take it, we will, all of us will, we'll simply take it and add it to our already existing life. Just kind of shove it in there where we want it. Say, oh, I'm struggling right now, so let me read this part for this exact moment, forget the rest, this is what I need at the moment, only what I need at the moment. They sit there and they're like, well, I'm, I'm kind of good, I don't like this one bad part about me, so I'll replace that with this one good part of the Bible. They just use it as little additions to their life, and that's what I did. That's what I did. Because I didn't have a dad who showed me the Bible is your foundation. It is everything that you sit on. It is supposed to be everything that you believe in. It is the root of everything good that will come out of your life is God himself. I missed that. I really did. And so this happens, and it's like, it's not supposed to be used for decoration. It's really not. And here is my next point. My next point is we need the cheat codes. We need it. The Bible is our cheat codes. We need the cheat codes. They are necessary. They are important. Without them, we are never who we are created to be. The entirety of the cheat codes, yes, even the part where it talks about tithing, I know it's a sore subject. It was a sore subject for me. Imagine being a 16-year-old boy who didn't even fully believe in Jesus yet, and they were like, you need to give your money to the church. And you're like, why? It's my money. I worked for myself. 16-year-old boy got a big old blown-up ego like I had. The ego's not fully gone, but it's okay. And it's like, I'm like, no. But then it, I started reading the entirety of the context of the Bible and figured out tithing was amazing. It was about trust and obedience and believing in what God said he would do. See, there's, there's, this, other thing, there's, there's this other thing about working out or anything really in your life. You're, the way that, it's the way that your brain works. If you think about something enough, 
and tell yourself enough and tell others that you do it enough, you'll start to believe that you actually do it. You will. You start to like, you'll start to trick yourself into the fact that you actually do it. But things like just tithing is an example of a thing that people try to like want to leave out of the context of the Bible. They, they want to leave out of their foundation. But when I started tithing, everything changed for me. All my financial struggles started, started to dissipate. Not that like, it's miracles like that. It's crazy. But it happened when I didn't do it with a better heart. And I'm just using this as, a, as an example. When I did it with a hopeful, loving heart of I'm doing this because, God, you have given me 100% of everything I have in my life. You are everything. This is me simply giving a small portion back to you, saying I believe in you, I trust you. It's not that I'm worshiping the building of the church. It's that I'm worshiping you. When I read the context of that, that's when it changed me. When I read the entirety of the Bible, that's when it changed me. And can I tell you right now, that is your job as a dad. That is our job as a parent or as a leader of any young person. Where are you putting their foundation? Are you giving them a foundation? When you start to think about the fact that your kid isn't really your kid, you're borrowing God's child for his lifespan, God has entrusted you to raise his knitted together soul of a child. Crazy. Yes, my dad and my mom are my biological parents. But I do have a heavenly father who created every single ounce and being of me exactly the way that he wanted it. And that is your job as a parent, is to put your kids on that foundation, to show them what the Bible is, to show them what the Bible is for. It's not homeowner improvements. This is your life. This is who you are. This is where everything will come out of. This is where it's at for you. When you struggle, go here. When you're happy, go here. When you want to get married, go here. It's our job to show them these things. And I want to show you why. I want to show you why it's so important. I got this fancy rope over here. Love ropes. Ropes are cool. This red part of this rope here is what we are going to use as our lifespan here on earth. This is our lifespan here on earth, this red part. We get so caught up and worried about this being the only part that exists. Is that red part. If you believe in Jesus, you cannot ever think this is the only part that exists. This is a small portion of your life. If you truly believe in anything that Bible says, you do believe this is not the end. you got to keep your eyes fixed on that. So because of that, we get so caught up in, well, if I work hard enough here, if I'm good enough here, I can invest my money right here, retire here, and have this great part of my life here. We get so caught up in this bread part and thinking that this is the end. But what if I told you that your life is not just the red part? Your life is the entire bit of this entire rope. Your life is all of the rope. Every bit of this long rope is all your life. There you go. There's your life. This red part is just your earthly life. This is your part that you live here on earth. The rest of that still exists. That's your heaven life. That's your eternal life in the proper place in your proper home. Now what if I told you... That this red part determines how the rest of your rope looks. How you live this red part determines how the rest of that looks. The Bible does talk about heavenly rewards. And I think we need to talk about them more often. The Bible talks about a lot of great 
heavenly rewards that we're going to get in heaven. And I love hearing about that. I love thinking about the fact that one day I'm going to see my Lord Jesus, Savior. I'm going to look him in the eyes. He's going to look back at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant. But I want more than just that. I want the eternal rewards that come with just hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant. But all of that's based on how I live this red part. All of this, that is based on this red part. That whole rope. So, would you not want the cheat codes to this red part? If someone came to you and offered you non-complex, non-confusing, maybe a little hard sometimes, but simple cheat codes to this entire red part. To give you step-by-step directions and a walkthrough to make the rest of your rope incredible. To make the rest of your life incredible. Why would you not want that? That's, that's, that's what I want. But you've got to believe in all of it. You've got to believe in every single bit of it. And here's where it gets really deep. Really deep. As a parent, as a parent, your job is to make sure your, red, your kid's red part looks better than your red part. This is your job as a parent. See, when I was a kid, I didn't find Jesus until I was about... 13, 14, and then I didn't actually live like Jesus. I didn't actually want his authority until I was about 18. So I missed, let's just say, I chopped off that much of a red part, basically. I missed all this back here. I missed all that. Because I didn't find Jesus until I was 18. You're like, whatever, I was young, had fun. So young years of four. Senior Jews are for getting out there, having fun. Yeah, but how many rewards did I miss with 18 years of my life? How much impact and world change did I miss with those 18 years that I just chopped off because I was young and credited to the fact that I was young and stupid? So my job as a kid, or as, as, as when I become a father, is to teach my kids how not to miss those 18 years. How not to miss that time span that I missed. Maybe you're not even a parent. Maybe you're just a leader somewhere. Your job as a leader is to make sure whoever you leads Red part looks better than your red part. And Joel, you can, she's already there. That's perfect. So, this is everything. Your life here on earth is so important. How you use it matters. How your kids use theirs matters. The reason why I'm a student director and I'm involved with teenagers is simply because I refuse to let them miss the years that I missed. I'm not having it. I will stand up here and I will always scream until my face is red. If I pass out, I really don't care. The most important thing to me is making sure that these young people, these kids, understand the fact that their years matter. That there is a heaven. There is heavenly rewards. There is a place with no crying, no shame, no tears, no sadness. None of that. None of that exists in heaven. And heaven is a real functioning kingdom with real positions and real rewards. And it does exist. And all of that is based on your red part. And look, I screwed up my red part from birth to 18 years old. But you don't have to. You don't have to go wrong where I went wrong. You can get it right. Let me show you the foundation of the Bible that your life goes on. You, the Bible is everything. Put your life on the Bible. Don't add it to your home. This is your home. God is your home. Jesus is your home. He is the foundation for your home. And this is where your life goes, my son, my daughter. 
And I'm going to close with this. I had a fantastic baseball coach. And I started to get really good at about 14 years old. I got so good that I was hitting more home runs than my own batting coach. And I looked at him and I said, why is this happening? You're the coach. Why am I better than you? I was had a weird, dumb, 14-year-old perspective. But I wanted to know. And he answered with something so wise. I never would have expected this answer. He looks at me and he says, because, Quinn, this is the burden of all teachers and leaders to always be succeeded by your student and then it hit me if you're a dad a mom, a leader, a teacher if you are not succeeded by those who you are teaching you have not done your job your job is not finished and you did not do it well enough you did not fully do it to the entirety of what the Bible says to do you did not fully put that as your foundation Share that foundation with other people. Eventually, if and when I have children, I want to know that my children are going to have a mansion, be the king of a heavenly country beside my shack. That's what I want for our kids. That's what I want for our younger generation. That is why Extreme Nights exist. And so we can do that. So I'm asking you as a church and as a family and as a family of believers, help us. Help God. Learn how to change. Learn how to accept new things. Because when you believe in Jesus, he will change everything. If you you ask him to take everything and take it all and change it from the inside out, you really mean it? Oh, he will. You better bet he will. And it's for the better. It's for the good. So please do everything you can to put your kids on this foundation. Make sure that their red part is incredible. Because they are the next presidents. They are the next leaders. They are the next preachers. They are the next teachers. They are are our future. And their heaven is their future. And if we can help that as, as older people, if we can help their future, if we can help make sure that their red part looks amazing and we choose not to because we don't want the Bible, honestly, shame on us. I mean, it's what we're here for. It's why parenting exists. It's why we are in the position that we're in. It's so that anybody we teach, their red parts are simply incredible so that their heaven can be simply incredible. So we may not have an up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, we do have a B-I-B-L-E. We do have that. We do have this thing called the Holy Spirit. He is not some creepy ghost dude. The Holy Spirit is something that lives inside of you. It's a personal coach every single day. So use it. Use the Bible. Use the cheat codes that we have. Don't play the game alone. You have the codes. Parenting did come with a manual. It's called the Bible. We just got to pick it up and use it. We got to want it. We got to believe it. We got to, we got to feel the need for it. But that's up to us. That's, that's our free will. It's your free will. This is your choice. This is your choice. God, thank you so much for what you do. And God, I thank you 
for everything that you are. I thank you for your cheat codes. I thank you for your word. It is you. It's part of you. It's part of who you are. God, I thank you for every single person in these seats today. God, I pray that if they're a leader, if they're a parent, if they're a mom, if they're a dad, that they, grandfather, grandma, that they walk out of here and they feel encouraged to be everything that you have called them to be as an influencer. God, I pray that they influence their children to be everything they're supposed to be. That their children grow up to live their red part so incredible that even you are impressed with how incredible they turned out to be. God, I pray that if anybody in this room has put their life and faith in you today, that you reach out to them, touch them, show them what it means to be a true Christ follower. Show them what it means to put their foundation on your word and not just an added decoration. God, I pray these things in your precious son's name. Amen.